So recently I stumbled across a conversation, um, not really a conversation, it was more of just a post online, and a photographer, where if you listen to this podcast um, and you're not aware that photography is my career, photography and uh, retouching and all that's my career, then that's why, because most of my art discussion is going to be photography, as that's my career, but I also talk about music and art in general and the artistry of art. But all that aside, um, there was a discussion yet again. Um, photographers will understand where I'm coming from, and we're going to shift the subject a little bit once I set it up. But there was a discussion once again about whether or not you should be moving your gear to mirrorless, a mirrorless setup, as opposed to DSLR. And this conversation, of course, was had, and uh, not only on DSLR versus mirrorless, but uh, film versus DSLR, uh, digital, as it were, uh, in general. And that conversation was had 20 years ago, 10 years ago, and whatever. The conversation continues and will always continue and everybody has opinions. But what, what I thought was really, really interesting, what really struck me the most, and sorry for all the fumbling around today, just gear is not cooperative, but here we are, we're talking, we keep it real here, right? Anyway, so one fundamental point in all of this discussion that I thought was really interesting was that someone brought up the idea that, hey, did you know that some people working as a photographer cannot arbitrarily upgrade all of their equipment to a whole new um, platform, for lack of a better term, because of financial reasons? And it does not necessarily mean that the photographer is a failure um, or all about to shut down or just a hobbyist. Working people, working artists especially, often are surviving and paying bills, but they might be going through a period that, and by period I mean a couple years, they might be going through a period where five, ten, fifteen thousand dollars of investment in new gear isn't going to be possible, especially when the gear they have is already working for them and making the career work. You know, it may not be wildly thriving, but it's working. And some this point was brought up like, hey guys, I don't mean to shock you, but did you know that some people just can't afford to upgrade yet? And and it was kind of like a, a minor showstopper in that conversation because, you know, some people had the attitude of like, well, I mean, sure, but <laughs> all right. So all of this really got me thinking about what some people um, would get uh, potentially offended by. Um, and some people would try to uh, liken this attitude to entitlement. That is that the idea that, well, you know, if you don't have an oil well, just get one, which is kind of an old, that harkens back to the late 70s here in South Texas, where the oil boom was so profitable and everything was just working so well and exploding that the idea was if you don't have an oil well, get one and more of a slogan or just a meme before memes. But some people had the idea or the, the opinion that it was entitlement, um, which was fueling some of the photographers saying, well, just upgrade. Why are you wasting time? I don't know that it's entitlement per se, but what I will say is that it could be a naivete um, that shows one's own biases. And I don't want to say entitlement necessarily. Some definitely could be. If you come from extreme privilege financially and you just don't understand that sometimes things can't be afforded, then you might have an entitlement problem. 
But I think a lot of times some photographers or some people in general, some artists, we don't always understand or remember that our position isn't everyone else's position. It's not just a position of success and, and you know, um, very comfortable financials where investing in new equipment or replacing equipment or whatever is easy. Um, it's not just from that position. It's just that we are all in a different position. See, when you place yourself online in a position where you're saying something, uh, an opinion, a thought, many people are capable of reading between the lines. So if you say, look, at the end of the day, if you're a professional photographer, there is no excuse to not upgrade to mirrorless. If you say that, what is the reading between the lines? Reading between the lines means that that's what you believe. You think that a professional photographer cannot use a DSLR, which is wrong. Two, that you're suggesting, or it is suggested by your tone, that you think that it's just a matter of decision. Like, oh, I just haven't. I'm being stubborn. And that shows, again, it's very transparent. And it shows that perhaps, just perhaps, you're not giving any possibility to the fact that somebody cannot afford the upgrade yet. Hmm? And maybe perhaps in that thinking, you might think, well, surely if you don't have, and I've heard this before, if you cannot upgrade your gear, then you aren't really a professional. If you don't have two or three or four copies of all your equipment, you are not a professional. If you don't have XYZ insurance, and if you don't have this, and if you don't have that, and if you don't have an assistant, if you we treat success and a certain level of, um, well, of success. So we, uh, certain things that we've attained in our career path and our goals in our life, if you treat them like givens, like understood, like if you don't do this, you're wrong. Why to me is that poisonous thinking for yourself? Because you're not allowing yourself to, first of all, remember probably where you came from, where you started, and you're also not aligning with anybody. Now, that might not be your mission. Your goal is to run your company and have customers pay you money and grow your business. That's fantastic. But when it comes to understanding humans, other people, being able to put yourself in their shoes, classic term, um, is often something that people do not do when it comes to the issue of financials. Okay. Um, it, it does not matter where you're from, what country you live in, what your background is, what your ethnicity is, or whatever. If you have a position where in your life, when new photography equipment comes out, you can simply upgrade if you choose to, then that's awesome. No one should knock you for that. Okay. Um, if it's from your own success, from running your business, cool. If it's just because you have money, because you've always had money, because you come from money. All right, cool. Run your life. I'm not here to knock it. No one's here to knock it. Okay. I know for me, when I have to work with a private student, um, I'm very careful. I, I don't assume things about them. Like if they well, if were doing a retouching class and they send me images and I realize that the files are from a 13-year-old DSLR, I don't go, well, your problem is you got this 13-year-old camera. You really should update that. And that's immediately saying, what is your problem? You're choosing not to do this. This is a mistake. There's your problem. That's insensitive for one, and it's a dumb assumption. So I try to be as open as I can. 
an understanding of people's position and work with them where, where they're at. That's my position as, a, as an educator because I choose to. I choose to be an educator. I've had photographer students who come to me and, and immediately start making excuses um, because they're embarrassed. They have an eight-year-old computer, which to them, they think I'm going to laugh at them. Um, they have a DSLR or they have a first wave mirrorless. And they go, well, this is all I have, but you know, I try. <laughs> and they're awkward. Why are they awkward? Because they have been put in a position where their equipment has been ridiculed in some manner. Now, I won't do that and I never do, but someone did. And that's why they're sensitive to me or coming up with this excuse up front. And guys, here we are about nine minutes into this conversation. And this is what it boils down to. What we are seeing as adults, as artists, adults, it is still the same psychological framework of grade school playground bullying and even less bullying, also just teasing. That is what we're seeing. When we tease each other as children, most of it is based from playback of something we heard from our parents. And most of it is based on being naive. We make an assumption. You know, we, the, the little eight-year-olds are laughing at the one eight-year-old um, because their pants are all ripped up. Your pants are all shredded, huh, huh, huh. The assumption the eight-year-old is making is that those pants, that that that, that the kid with the ripped pants or the something uh, chose to do this and made a mistake. And then they laugh because that's what they were taught to do by their parents inadvertently. There's no reason to not, there's no reason to wear shredded up pants or shoes that are falling apart because that's how that child's perspective and their ex life experience, which is minimal. That's what their life experience has taught them. Now, the parents don't have to be, you know, uh, insensitive assholes in the scenario. They can simply say, well, sweetie, when your shoes are all ripped up, just tell daddy and we'll get you some more. You don't want to wear shredded shoes. You might step on something sharp and we'll just throw those out and get some more. Fantastic. But when those kids translate some of that, perhaps with some playback because of parents ranting about things in the distance, in the same room, in the same house. Playback is very real on young children. Then those kids go and make fun of somebody. Why do you have ripped shoes? Why do you, well, your, your bottom of your shoes are falling off. Yeah, I, I, I know. Well, why don't you just get some more? Why do you run around with those? Now you might think to yourself, well, what's the problem? People just need to deal. That's the reality of life. People are too sensitive. Let's not be overly woke here and just be so accommodating for everybody. I, I understand your point on that. We can't go crazy in either direction. But what we're seeing when it comes to, like I said, if you don't have an oil well, get one. We see that on so many things that adults do. The old suggestion of think before you speak could not be more true. You have to think about the scenario that you're about to engage in. You have to think about the variables in it and what you say, no matter what, is going to come from a position of a, it's going to come from a perspective that is biased. I don't mean like hateful, but you have a bias. You see things from your perspective only. 
But when you are trying to convey something to somebody that you think maybe, just maybe, you're trying to inspire them, you do not say, oh my God, why are you driving this old beat up car? Go get another one. This is embarrassing. No one wants to see you in that silly, oh, well, I'm glad I'm here to tell you to buy a new one. Obviously, or potentially, this person cannot buy a new one. Now, there's scenarios, of course, where somebody loves their 22-year-old little Honda, and they're like, dude, I love this thing. I just repair it, and I keep rolling. I can buy a new car, but I choose not to. I understand there's counterexamples, but in general, especially in 2023, when this podcast episode is being recorded here in September 2023, we have seen some financial difficulty across the board, especially in the middle and lower classes. And because of that, there's a lot of sensitivity to well, everything really, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, when I was a young child, I grew up in a, uh, you could throw all kinds of terms at it, but it was a fairly affluent suburban area in North Houston. Um, my family was well-to-do. Um, we were not wealthy, but my dad paid bills, built a new house, uh, worked in the oil field, not an oil field, but the oil company, excuse me. Um, field as in the company, not out in the field. Anyway, if you don't know what I'm talking about, he wasn't out in the field, but he was in the oil industry. And uh, until they laid him off and left him for dead and then boom, everything collapsed on that. That's another story for another time. But um, in the early 80s, you know, there was a brief moment, a brief time where I remember having a little bit of that, no other way around it, that entitled attitude. A little bit of you don't have an oil, we'll get one. But what happened to me very quickly and being a, a child with Tourette's and being a child who was undiagnosed on the autism spectrum at the time, um, I ended up getting picked on a lot as a young child in school. This quickly shifted my perspective. Now I was not only you know hurt by this and confused and upset and scared, but I no longer had a, um, for lack of a better term, I no, no longer had an entitlement mindset because I understood what it was like to be on the losing end of criticism. And, you know, hey, if you keep having all these movements from Tourette's, why don't you just not? That was the basic prevailing attitude in, the, in a very callous 1980s suburban culture. So I, I started learning. I didn't like it at first. I didn't, I, I didn't see it as learning. I was just upset. But over time, I started realizing what I was doing was realizing that everyone has a story. Everyone has a reason for what they do. Uh, in raising my own kids, who are now 19, almost 18, um, and 14, I try to tell them repeatedly, it sucks to be bullied. And it sucks when you encounter another child in school who's uh, difficult or mean or, or violent. But what you're seeing is a direct uh, d direct like connection, a visualization, a depiction of uh, what's going on with them in their living situation at home, whether it's parents or a caregiver or a, a grandparent or something, you're seeing a window into that. If they're saying certain things, it's almost certainly playback, especially the younger that they are, but it doesn't mean that they don't do it in older ages too. Uh, so I started teaching them that, hey, Keep in mind what you're seeing is, is someone um, engaging in behaviors that they were shown. There's no such thing as a six-year-old who's just inherently mean and violent. 
Not, not really. Perhaps on rare occasion. But as they get older and older, you're looking at a child working through trauma, doing playback from their parents and figuring out and trying to sort out the world based on what they were shown. And their their biases come through. This is where all teasing comes to. It's biases. Ha ha, look at that. You have big afro because for some reason, big afros aren't popular right now. But if they are popular, then, oh, my God, you got to kill her afro. My youngest has a giant afro right now and everybody loves them. <laughs> if I had an afro in 1990, it would have been an issue. But anyway, that's that's less important, but still, that's what I'm talking about. And so what we're doing as adults, not just our DSLRs and mirrorless cameras, but what we do often as adults is that we show our, we show our hand, we show our transparency of our own sort of perceptions of things, our own biases. Uh, I'm hesitant to say entitlement, but what we are showing, because some people are showing their entitlement, but what we do show sometimes is our own it's fine to have your own perspective, but when your perspective is myopic, you're not seeing the forest for the trees, it says a lot. You might think, yo, Nino, Nino, fuck all this overly sensitive shit. If I'm gonna say something, I'm just gonna say it. I get that too, I get it. But if you, with, with appropriate acknowledgement and, and even you can call it practice, just being more aware, acknowledging that the world exists beyond yourself, understanding that you yourself might have less than someone else. You can get into a perfect routine, a habit, if you will, of before you open your fucking mouth, you think about the scenario, especially now online. We know there's a lot of people just being general assholes. Okay. Are you being the asshole? It's possible. But before you open your mouth to give advice or to give an opinion, it should be a couple of seconds of processing the various possibilities of something. If you don't have an oil, we'll get one shows. It does show entitlement, but it shows an extreme amount of a lack of understanding that you're refusing to process possibilities. Now, what does that mean? That means that I'm trying to tell you how to comment online. No, as I wrap this up here, the main point is your own thinking and how you engage with the world. Because if the way you engage with the world is strictly your perspective is it. This is it. This is your perspective. Nothing else exists. You're going to miss out on a lot of opportunities. Now, if you are, I don't give a flying fuck about your political persuasion, but if you are of the opinion that we are way too sensitive, we are way too accommodating, we are way too blah, 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 blah as a society. If you're of that opinion and you think my opinion is my opinion and what I do is what I do and I, I can only see the world from my perspective, you know what? You're right. I'm not telling you that you're not allowed to have an opinion. I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have a perspective of something that's different from everyone else or different from someone else. I am trying to tell you that you are missing out on opportunities of growth, which is of course learning, but business expansion, right? And just spiritual fulfillment. And as you get older and older and older, that can become more important. You do not want to be a broken vessel of a geriatric. You want to find some fulfillment in life and listening and understanding the world while having your own convictions and opinions is the way to go. I've said it many times, have all your convictions, but get ready to abandon your assumptions. And that is how we find our fulfillment as we age, but it's also how we find success now with people, not just with opinions on social media posts, but like I said, in business. And that could be a big deal for you. Okay. Now, if you are not that person, if you are the 
extremely sensitive, over-accommodating, preface everything with, that you say because you're worried about, quote, offending someone, I want you to scale that back too. That's not healthy. You've got to come at the world from a perspective that, well, that makes sense for you. That's how it is. But if you're trying to tell someone how to live their life, if you're trying to make assumptions about them, if you're trying to say, if you don't have an oil, we'll get one, that is where you're going to lose opportunities. Because see, this also reminds me of, because there's so many examples that lead to this. And this will be my last thing. I promise I'll let you go. <laughs> um, what happens is that, especially with social media, we can see a lot of engagement. We, we witness other people's engagements, not just our own, but interpersonal, in real life and all that. We have these engagements, but here's the deal. The person who agrees with you and gets on with you really well and everything's a big woohoo success. Awesome. That's easy. The person who fights you and you get nowhere with it and you eventually just, it's a stalemate. You walk away from each other online or in real life. That's easy. That's not going to be a customer. That's not going to be a part of your success in life. But you know what the biggest subsection of people is when it comes to this, to these engagements? The people who say nothing and disappear. The people who walk away from your social media posts. The people who hear what you have to say and never follow up because you sound ignorant, insensitive, you're missing the forest for the trees, or you're just flat out being insulting. The people who fight you are easy to deal with because you fight them and you move on. And sometimes you can win them over. But the people who walk away that you never know, those are missed opportunities. And there's no way of tracking it. You have no idea how many missed opportunities are out there. You want to run business as an artist? You want to run business in general, especially self-employed? You got to cast that net wide. You got to show people that you think beyond yourself, even though you're fully aware of yourself and confident in yourself. And if you have this attitude of, if you don't have an OO, get one, call me for your photography needs. There's a lot of people walking away and you cannot justify your position just with the customers that you do have. So there's just so many reasons to be more globally aware. Apart from, I think it's just a decent thing to do. There's a lot of business benefit. There's a lot of social benefit, sure, but there's a lot of business benefit. If that's the only motivation for you, at least consider that. At least consider that. Stop pointing the finger that everybody's overly sensitive or if you want the term woke out or whatever, just because you're positioning yourself where you understand the possibility of another position in life, another angle, another opinion, another perspective, because you acknowledge as a possibility of something else does not mean that you're over accommodating and whatever. It doesn't. It means that you're rational, logical, reasonable, compassionate, empathetic, human. Okay. You're locked into your own opinions and you put them out there. Like, again, if you don't have an oil, we'll get one. Then enjoy the consequences of that. So that was just some thoughts today. Um, I don't de definitely don't have everyone's answers, but I do work fairly hard to keep my perspective open on what's possible. I go into every engagement with, hmm. Well, there could be some variables here. It doesn't matter. You could step on toes no matter what, but it doesn't mean, well, anyone can get offended. I'm just going to do the fuck I want. All right. Well, you go ahead and be an asshole. We have episodes about that. If you want to listen to that, you are welcome to be an asshole. But in being an asshole, in being notorious, you have to live with what that entails. You have to live with those consequences. If you're willing to do that, cool. Go be notorious. It's not the most comfortable life, but if that's what you want, go for it. But if you want to try to find a balance, 
between over accommodating and too soft and using soft language and all that if you want to find a balance between that and an asshole that is where you're going to find success in my opinion above all else